0: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code
1: LISTEN.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, A Wrexham podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye. Bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now if you're new around here... Make sure to subscribe, but enough of that, let's get on with the show. Hello, Kroeser, thank you for joining us for the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Rexham podcast brought to you in association with Red Tent People Development. I'm Rich Faye. And without my trusty strike partner this week, I've had to dip into the low market. Here's hoping today's guest could be more Ben Foster than Ben Tollett, the the second
0: spell. Anyway, uh, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Andrew Pollard. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. Cheers, Rich. Thanks for getting us on. I honestly thought for a second, there, you said I had to, I was forced to go into the low market. Like, cheers, mate. Nice, <laughs> nice introduction. Yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, this is, should be fun.
2: Yeah, well, we've not got a big budget, so you know we've had to, we've had to scrape around the barrel. But you know we've got got someone in who can do a job. Quick introduction about yourself, there, I Mean. You host the interviews in the my pre match. How else will supporters know you? What what are your credentials? What can you bring to the podcast?
0: Credentials. Um, <laughs> just a massive footballer <laughs> that's been watching Wrexham for I don't know by this point twenty eight years or so. Um, and as you mentioned, these days um, I have the the um, the honour of uh, hosting the pre match chats that we do at my squin before every home game. So that's always fun. Um, and also, I, I guess as well I've done uh, a bit of work with the Wrexham the Legends Group over the last few years, um, looking after their Social media channels and doing um, doing some interviews during the pandemic just to keep content out there, really. And then as soon as the pandemic stopped, we we stopped that um, because it's better to have a chat with those sort of guys in person at the My Squin. Come on to the My Squin; it's a great place. It's a lovely place. Um, I'll uh, I'll see if I can, yeah, sell it anymore. But yeah, that's that's kind of my story, really. Uh, just a, a big old Wrexham nerd who uh, is fortunate enough to to get to chat to a few of these lads, the the lads of yesteryear um, on a on a regular basis. Who are we putting up there then? Who is your Hall of Famer?
2: Uh, maybe your favourite ever Rex interview? Who's your dream interview that maybe you've not had
0: yet? Um, I've, I've been trying to get Brian Hughes to come and do one, to do a chat. And that's, we've, we've there's been chats, there's been negotiations. I know, there's been, see, that's what I mean. For me, as a, as a slightly older fan, I think I just think of Brian Hughes, the player. Are, I, I blocked out that, that the managerial Brian Hughes. So, yours is is one of those. Uh, Carlos Edwards, who um, this may or may not come off, but the, the plan is to hopefully try and get him before the end of the season, or maybe before the end of the season. Um, but in terms of interviews, with, I don't know they're, they're always too fair. They're always most of them are always well, 90 percent of them are always really good because the lads are very chatty lads, and they're just they're all lovely. Glenn Little was mad as a box of frogs. Uh, Cole Conley's always great. Um, Gary Bennett as well. Paul Rutherford recently was absolutely phenomenal um old Roberts as well and Boxing Day came in and, and it's just it's good it's good to see the lads and get to talk through their careers and see them get um the response from the the, the people there who come they paid their money to come and see these players and hear their stories so it's good to see that side of things um and it's just it's it's nice it's nice like Paul Rutherford was just kept getting standing ovations all the time because just a whole lot of love for others hmm. and I think as well on the back of the uh the Welcome to Wrexham documentary as well there's a and even more newfound respect, I think, from some people who maybe can look back and think, oh, he actually, yeah, he, he cared a lot, for Rutherford. So, yeah, they're always all fun. That's a really generic, um, safe answer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And just to, uh, again, we will put a link to these in the uh, episode description. But the
2: I mean, on the horizon as well, you have got the Sheffield United game, Gary Bennett and yes. Carl, uh, Carl Connolly speaking ahead of that. And, of course, this rearranged Chesterfield game. Again, Dude. could be rearranged again if we were to win in the FA Cup with uh, Brian yeah. Flynn as well. So any and fans of a certain vintage, shall we, shall we say, or if you're new and want to engross yourself in the recent history, successful times of the club and get along to the Mice Gwynn pre-match, it's not just the
0: donuts that they're excelling with uh, over great. there, over the road. And, and the Posh Kebabs. Rich Watkins had uh, shoot me if I didn't mention the Posh Kebabs that are, are fantastic. Uh, and also, oh, they are I'll probably throw in there as well, there's... There's something that works to hopefully get Wanugati, maybe, as well, at some point. Uh, oh, my the God. Season's that... out. So, I know. I thought, I thought U- you might like
2: U- that one. You tease. Right. <laughs> Football. Ultingham, last weekend, yes. or last Friday night, wasn't it, in the FA Trophy. Rexham lost a, a penalty shootout. Um, we'll get on to maybe the pie, the pitch invasion. But in terms of the actual occasion, Andrew, I mean, from my point of view, I thought it was almost the perfect night. I know there's lots of fans will say winning breeds success, you need to stay in the competitions, and there's no, you never got to celebrate Wrexham losing a game by any means. But considering that a win would have postponed another league game, I thought that it was almost the perfect outcome that we played what was largely a second string squad. I know that upset a few Altrin fans that were maybe a bit disrespectful, but I think it was fair to say that. Played against a very good National League team, took them all the way to penalties. Only lost because of the sort of luck from twelve yards, and for me, I thought it was a really good run out and a really good test and a great opportunity for those on the periphery to to have a proper run out again.
0: Yeah, it was it, it was it was a good game to watch. It was a fun game to watch because I mean I, I'm I'm just talking to myself here, but I always like it's always nice to see some of the the faces that you don't normally see um, if if some of the, the younger lads get a run out. And obviously, you're not going to they're not going to get those runouts in in the league necessarily. So it was good to see like a, a Jake Bickerstaff get a game, or for for players going back to fitness like Rob Layton, Andy Cannon got got a start, Scott Butler came in, Max Cleworth getting another another game. So it was, yeah, for me it was you never it's I think it's the same thing that a lot of Wrexham fans have said lately where you never want to lose a game, but uh, it's if there was a way to lose without really losing uh, and to avoid kind of cluttering up the fixture list even more, then. I was okay with this, um, although I mean, after after ten minutes, I thought we were going to get an absolute spanking. So what, I didn't fancy they were that. were all over us, weren't they? Yeah, they really, really were. There was the 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 chap uh, Chris Conclark, I think his name was, who the commentator uh, legit. I think it was four times compared to Paul Gascoigne, which he's having a good game. But come on, I mean, it's, it was Mate, a little... Paul Gascoigne
2: now or Paul Gascoigne in the nineties?
0: Yeah, that's I hadn't thought of it like that. Maybe he was thinking that the poor gas client he went to see Raoul Molt with a few cans of beer and chicken, and I don't know, maybe that one. But yeah, it was just it it was I I did fear a spanking, but it was it was good to see you know, like I said, some of the players going back to fitness, getting a run out. Some of the players who who don't necessarily start all the time, like a Maca Linden, getting a a game who's normally in around the squad, Uh, and and I I thought James Jones stepped up well as with the armband as, as captain for the day. Just yeah, it was. I was, I was okay with it. I, I didn't come away being miserable that we'd lost. Put it that way. It was just like, oh well, it's unfortunate. It's not ideal. We've lost the game of football, but the bigger picture is, um, just you just don't want to clutter things up any anymore.
2: Yeah, again, you know, if we were to end the season with promotion, and no one's going to be bothered how we did in the FA Trophy. It is the the end goal, and of course, sort of. I know people don't like us comparing us the, with them, but Notts County also got knocked out, so both of us would be concentrating on the league really now going forward. Uh, I was going to pick out the individuals then. I mean, who did impress you the most? For me, it was Jake Bickerstaff. I've hardly ever watched him in the flesh. It's, I remember watching him in the sort of, in the sort of Car- Caramel Tunnock's Cup matches, but I don't remember watching him too often, sort of in a proper first-team environment like this. I thought he looked brilliant, really. I mean, it it sort of brings on to a recurring theme of, is he good enough to be that sort of reserve striker, do you think? I mean, the, the expectation is so high this season. We're in such a good position. We have to get promoted. Do you think that we have got enough in reserve with Dolby and Bickerstaff, or, uh, or or what do you think? I mean, especially that he's homegrown, you can't be critical too much. And maybe we get maybe carried away too much at the other end, but he looks like a proper player, regardless of, of the level we're at.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of harkens back to like a Stevie Watkin, a Lee Jones, even a, a Chris Armstrong coming from Fly. It's just. Everybody wants to see a local lad, particularly as well a local a local lad up front getting goals for and, Um And it was it was good to see Jake getting a goal again after scoring in the last round against Scunthorpe. Uh, and it is I've I've been really impressed with him when I have seen him. Um, he's a lot quicker than I I, I kind of presumed he'd be. Um, he just his movement seems really clever. Like he he out I thought he, he overshadowed Dolby against Aldringen. Uh, and against Scunthorpe as well. Um, but I, and I think if you're looking at, is he good enough to be our, our backup strikers? I think him and Dolby for right now, I, th- I think they are, but that's just barring any major injury to Ollie Palmer or, or Paul Mullen, because it's that tricky thing of realistically who we're going to attract as, as backup strikers because whoever comes in and we'd be, I'd imagine we'd be probably aiming for players who are League Two standard if we're going to bring reinforcements in up front. Whoever's gonna who's gonna come in just to knowing that they're gonna be on the bench from that level of football. So I I think for where we're at, I think Dolby, who says his good games, is not so good games. Um, but again, it's it's tough to to judge with him because it is unfair when they're not getting a run of game. So it's kind of swings and roundabouts. But I think for me, I'm I'm all right with that. Cause whoever we've got as forward options, if we brought somebody in, they're not gonna play, they're not gonna start unless it's in say we, we got through in the FA Trophy, then they'd maybe get a game in that. But for the league, it's it's always going to be Mullen and Palmer as long as they're fit, I think. So So it's, um, yeah, it's, like I said, swings and roundabouts, I think, with that sort of discussion. But I'm I'm cool with that. Um, as, as for other names that, that stood out, um, I, I thought Scott Butler did all right. I, I was quite impressed with him and Ryan Austin when he I, came Yeah, on. Um, I
2: was expecting Scott Butler to be the sort of the other guy in defence alongside Max yeah. and Harry Lennon. But for me, he outshone both of them. He looked really good really physical. There was a tackle in the second half where he just was really emphatic and just really commanded the ball. He, he looked really, really good. And I was surprised because when we when we brought him back from Swansea, I thought, oh, I don't really know who this guy is. I'm probably never going to see him play. Um, he's got to be someone for the reserve games, maybe just so we've got an extra body. But he looks at another player who who has a real chance of, of getting some more game time. Like you said, it's probably the, the one negative of getting knocked out of the FA Trophy is when do most of these players play again? It's really hard to see even with the the packed fixture schedule. But yeah, I was really impressed by him. And I just want to get your thoughts as well on Andy Cannon. Again, there's mitigation that whenever we've seen him, it's been in these sort of second string matches, not the easiest way to to catch the eye. He's obviously, he was playing alongside James Jones, but he's not really had a chance to play with the first 11, really in, in a competitive match. So it's always difficult to to fairly assess him. But But what have you made of him so far? Because, you almost forget he is such a good player. And if we can get him ticking as well, then we've got another string to our bow.
0: Yeah, I think I think you nailed it there where you kind of alluded to it where he's clearly, there's a pedigree there, there's a, there's a standard there, there's quality there. But it's, I mean, when, when, I, when I watched the game against Old he didn't jump out. He, he, When you think of the players that played well, he, he wasn't in that kind of top four or five players on the pitch, especially for us. But he he was okay. He was fine. He ticked over nicely. It was it was kind of a an average okay performance that that didn't kind of set the world alight, but wasn't horrendous. And and kind of again, what you have said there is it's it's kind of unfair to judge him in the way. And a lot of the players, like, like I think we say with Lennon uh, for exact example, where it's it's hard to judge players when they come in just for one game or just for the odd game. Or again, as you mentioned, the the fact that they're coming into uh, quote unquote a second string team of of, of uh, players alongside them. So it's. It's a tricky one, McCann. And I think it's, he's a very good body to have around the place. And I think, you know, maybe if there's a an injury or two midfield, he's a really good option to have. And it's one of those where you maybe, you look to start in, this is in like kind of the dream world where we're starting, we've, obviously we've got momentum behind us at the moment, especially at home. But in those games where we are maybe two, three, they'll with 20 minutes to go, just bring him on, introduce him, get him back to that, into that environment, the winning environment and the environment of playing with our first team players and then next time he does get a chance to start then maybe he can tear up some obviously uh, tear up some daisies what's the term tear just tear it up <laughs> then in that case
2: just tear it up yeah um yeah. speaking of tearing up a pitch um pitch invasion at the end was i being too much of a grumpy old man when i mocked this on social media i sort of just thought this is just sort of peak non league that ultiman fans invaded the pitch after beating rex and reserves on penalties in the fourth round of the FA Trophy. But, you know, they're a team who could realistically go to Wembley and win the competition. It was as well, the caveat, a lot of the younger frontline fans who, who won't be there most weeks, they sort of come for the bigger occasions. It's not a, a fair reflection on most Altshawam fans. And I know most Wrexham matchgoers will know Altshawam fans as well. And most of them would, would have just been sat there themselves shaking their heads. But was I being too much of an old man? Should we let them enjoy that moment?
0: Or did you cringe a little bit when you saw it? Um, all of the above. Uh, I think that you were right in your criticism. Uh, yes, I did cringe. And also it's like, well, let him enjoy the moment as well. So I kind of tick all the boxes on that one. I'm sat right on the fence in the middle of, of, of three uh, pieces of fence wood, um, where, yeah, it's okay. You, it, it, yeah, it, it was it was a little bit tin And like you said, it wasn't the majority of Aldringham fans and it wasn't necessarily the regulars. And they all looked about 12 or 13, all the exact same coats on, giving the big one and tripping over on the pitch. I saw one fella, bless him. Um, so it's no harm, no foul. Let him have their moment. If that's if that's a big deal to them, then more power to him. Let, let me enjoy it, I think. like, I, I, Yeah, it's you beat your team in your own league to progress in an FA Trophy Cup. But I guess maybe we're only saying that because, well, we are saying that because we're in the position we're in in the league. Uh, we've got the financial backing we've got in the moment. And also we've been... We've been to the promised land in this trophy. We've been to Wembley. And I think there's there's some fans that wouldn't want to go back to Wembley in the FA Trophy. So, yeah, let them have the moment.
2: Yeah, and I, I suppose we did pitch invade at for Trinity, a section of the crowd once we beat them <laughs> in the semi-final to go to Wembley. And yeah, yeah. They, they just look like the kids that you see on social media sort of fighting over bottles of prime in Aldi. So it was quite, quite rich to see. And I suppose as well, ultimately, it was a huge compliment to Wrexham that we're considered such a scalp that, Fans love to milk it when they do beat us because it's not very rare that, that we do lose in, in any competition. Uh, another thing that divided opinion, again, this is quite self indulgent. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you, you won't really know, but I tweeted a picture of the food at Altrincham uh, pie, chips, and mushy peas, £6. It was right up there with the best food I've ever had at a football match. Divided opinion on social media, though. Um, one reply said, Ew, one was just a face throwing up. Someone else said, English dishes look pathetic. Someone else said, rest in peace, Rich Faye, died of a heart attack. And someone else called Darren said, they are some terrible looking chips. But it does bring me on to a salient point here, bear with me, Mm -hmm. of food at football, because there have been sort of concerns and issues raised with the catering at the race course itself, Andrew. And when you go to other grounds, you do sometimes think that for all the good news we've got, and there's so much to be positive about, there is still... We're still lacking in the catering department, not just in terms of maybe the quality of produce you can get on a match day, but the fact it's so hard to get served. If, if, if you're a match-going fan, you'll know this, that at half-time, you have to miss at least sort 10-15 of minutes of the match to, to get any sort of service. And before the game as well, you can be queuing for sort of half an hour just to get a beer
0: yeah it's um it's dire <laughs> for for all the improvements we've made to the infrastructure of the club and all the improvements we're continuing to make the the, the food service uh, especially i mean i don't go away as much these days as i used to because of work commitments but uh, like just going away to teams like say a walsall or K- Kidderminster were great Kidderminster just what was propose. like that was the, yeah that was like the gold standard but go the way to teams wh- which aren't you know, two too different to ourselves, like a uh, Warsaw or Nott's County even going away to Nott's County, Mansfield, teams like that, where it was just the food was no pun intended, different gravy. Um where and and for what it's worth, I thought your picture, I, I was I was all right with that. I was on board with that. That's my sort of thing. And I, I am one of those people that I'll spend sometimes like half an hour lost on Twitter going through the the footy Scran account where it's like, is it Scran or not Scran? Just of football food around the world.
2: I mean, I know your answer on this one. What do you make of places like the Mice Squin being chucked into that? Because obviously it's not in the stadium, but it is matchday food. And you mentioned the posh kebabs there. That
0: is premium produce, I'd say. Yeah, actually, I've seen that. That has appeared, the Posh Kebabs, on, on the football, the footy Scrant account on Twitter, um, which I have nothing to do with that account. I don't know why I'm plugging it so much. It's just interesting to see uh, what food other fans around the world get, um, some of the crazy stuff in America. But yeah, the my square. I mean, I, I'm quite I'm fortunate with the the role I have there where I'll get the, the two-course meal while I'm there. So when I get to the ground, I'm not necessarily, well, I'm not I'm not hungry, not looking for food, but the people I go with all have food. And it's like, that looks grim. Like just, and the way I, I am, I don't know. I'm maybe it's the, the, uh, the, the inner student in me from, from years gone by trying to get out. I, I am quite impressed that we now do pot noodles. That When I first saw one of those, it's like, Oh, okay. But yeah, I think you, it's not, it's not just the, the quality of the food. I mean, it's, it's all right. It's okay. I guess uh, some of the pies are okay, uh, but it's more the, the service and it's not a, it's not a dig at the people who work there because they work really hard. It's just the, the setup of it all. Like you, we went to Coventry, uh, Coventry way, I've seen the FA Cup, what a day, what a game, what a result. But it, I was amazed at how quickly you got served. Um, I, I, I did have a yeah. burger, which was amazing. And it was literally just walk up, no queue. And and it was obviously the concourse inside the ground was full of like four and a half thousand Wrexham fans. And it was still just walk up, no queue really, as in queue for maybe 20 seconds. Oh, what do you want? I oh, a burger. There you go. Here's, here's the money. And the same getting a beer as well. It was there was a, the, the group I was with. We got a round of, I think, like six beers. And within 30 seconds, you've got your six beers. And so it's there's ways to do it that are smooth and to service a lot of people. Like I said, four and a half thousand people there in that, that country away end. And and I didn't hear a single person moan once about having to wait for anything. And the quality was there as well. And the staff were lovely. And our, our staff are lovely, but you just think that sometimes they're not helped. And in the mobile stand, there's the, I don't know what, it's it, the kind of, the the kiosk that isn't a kiosk that was briefly opened the once sort of cabin, crisps, yeah but yeah and it's like do something with that surely even if it's just like soft drinks and stuff or just to take the pressure off the other areas of the the, the food service it I don't know it's it's yeah it, it's, it's, the not, it's not
2: great. it's not the personnel by any means exactly again you, it's a match day you know you're going to be selling a lot of pints. Why can't you pre-pour a few and have them ready to go at half-time or whatever? You know, it does seem just like there are there are waves. I, I suppose there are still teething issues with the taker and the facts. It's not actually yeah. long since we've had fans back in the stadium and certainly not at this de- to this sort of degree. And the demands and the interest in the club is uh, at a sort of lifetime high for me anyway. And, uh, you yeah, know, there are teething issues. You've got to give the club credit for that, that they are learning as they go along. But it does just feel when you compare it with, other teams, and particularly, like I said the smaller teams. No offense, they do seem to have have it right where we've maybe maybe got it wrong.
0: Uh,
2: Moving on then,
0: uh, Andrew. Uh, yeah. Oh, go on. You go. You no, go. just to say, so, yeah. When you were talking about the the, the pre poured pints and stuff. Um, it, I can't remember. It might have been Boxing Day. Uh, and I'd kind of been, it was my turn to get the halftime pints in, basically, uh, for me and my pals. And it was, they'd run out of everything apart from Madri which isn't my, my tipple of the choice, but hey, it's all right. It's Boxing Day. I'm celebrating. It's, it's holiday season. Uh, and so they only had that on and they made everybody aware, this big queue of people, that all they had on was Madri But then they waited till you got served to pour it. And you think, well, this is all you've got on. And you know that everybody, there's like a queue of 50 people who are all going to, I'm not saying pour 50 pints, but pour. 30 pints or whatever. I don't know. Just little things like that where it's like, you know, a bit of common sense. Common sense, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Um, Moving on then
2: to sort of other club issues. There's one that's sort of divided the fan base and what I've seen on social media this week anyway. And that is the least status update that was released in a club statement um, on Monday. And the club said that, you know, on February the 11th, 2022, which is almost a year ago now, Two days after the announcement that heads of terms had been signed to purchase the racecourse ground, the club approached the Wrexham Supporters Trust with the request to surrender their lease for the racecourse ground. They envisaged that that would be done quite quickly um, in time for when they purchased the, club and that went free, uh, purchased the stadium and that went through on June the 29th. But since the purchase, the club have regularly requested updates on the WST on the status, status sorry of the request to surrender the lease. Um, they went public with their sort of grievance to towards the trust. I see both sides of the argument the club's frustration that it's taken a year for them to to get the replies that they want, and they maybe don't seem any closer to doing so. but maybe the club uh going about it in the wrong way did you think it was poor for them to
0: to sort of air their dirty laundry in public um there There is an element of that to it I think that because uh, the the message there that they put out, I think that the the broader message is is one that most fans probably agree with, especially when you consider it's it's been getting on for a year, and the way it's worded makes it sound like there's been very little communication back from the WST. And I know obviously they've been going through, uh, I think what they call it, structural changes, personnel changes, uh, trying to find board members and, and and put them in place. But still, there are there have been throughout all of this, there's been people still working on the trust, who have done a great job before at times and have been um, pivotal in keeping the club alive to this point where we're at. But if there's been somebody or people involved, then there's no excuse not for communication with the club if they're getting requests. But yeah, it it does feel a smidge heavy-handed in how the the club have gone about it. And I, I just think the way, obviously, where we are now, the spotlight we've got on us now, um, the 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 well wishes, the positivity we've got around us, the WST being seen as holding this up, which they they are holding this up. There's there's no dispute in that, but it just feels by kind of the way the the statement was worded, the, the way this was the first we'd really heard of it, or at least for a while. This statement's come out, the way it was worded, and given the status of the club nowadays, it was it was always going to cause, I guess, a, a, a huge amount of long term fans and newer fans to put that pressure on the WST and it kind of, it felt like it was designed to do that uh, for right or for wrong. I just, I think that there's, you don't know, it, it's also a little bit of a nightmare for the WST because again, the silence they've had for so long. So for this to come out, it's that it positions them as the villain in this almost in a kind of us versus them uh, slightly, but maybe a bit exaggerating it. So it's, yeah, it's like, we've not heard anything from the WST, and the first time they've been in the news or made any sort of, well, not, not made a comment on this, I don't think, but the first time we've seen anything from them or heard about them in, what, a year, 18 months, is this. It paints them in a very negative light. It's not a great look, especially when we've got such forward-thinking owners who are, who are wanting to come in and get, th- just, they, they come in, they want to do something, they, they do it. And so this is kind of holding up that progress. So, it, yeah, I can, I can see elements of both sides to it. It's a long, long-winded way around yeah. the houses. On that one. It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because, and again,
2: the DUST. without them, we don't have the club anyway. You can understand as well if there's any caution or scepticism from certain members of that, because, you know, yeah. losing yeah. the stadium in the past has been such a realistic worry for Wrexham fans. Yeah. All we wanted was Wrexham playing at the race course. Anything on top of that is a bonus. And at the end of the day, as long as we've got our club and we can watch them in Rexham on a Saturday, then that, that is enough for lots of fans. And like we said, everything else on top has been this sort of bonus. But I, I, you know, I, I guess the other point as well is we can't speculate too much because we don't know what requests have been made. We don't know what communication has happened, if any, between the two parties behind the scenes. We don't know the full details and both sides of the story. So like I said, I don't want to get involved in putting more pressure on the DST and it being seen as a pylon because we don't know from both points of view, but surely there was a better way maybe for it to be conducted and for it not to be done so publicly, but then we must've got to certain extremes if, if that was the sort of last resort the club went to, because you'd also hope that those involved with Wrexham day to day wouldn't have wanted to do that. And it very much would have been, you know, like we said, the, the sort of the last straw that they didn't want to have to do, but, the nuclear option, as it were, to, to try and get some resolution to this. So, like we said, that's maybe all we can really say on it. And hopefully, fingers crossed, in the, in the coming days and weeks, we will get some some developments on that, some good news. And
0: yeah, like yeah. we said, well, hopefully
2: think- be able to give you a wider picture.
0: Yeah, just to jump in on that as well, I think it's interesting now to see uh, how the WST uh, deal with this. As in, does that put them even more in the back front? Do they feel attacked and just are even more digging their heels in? Or... Uh, is it the the, the pressure that then gets them to to kind of to hand it it's it's an interesting situation to keep an eye on I know the the knee-jerk reaction from a lot of Rexford fans and I can understand it is like what are you doing why are you holding this up but yeah it's like you said there's been years gone by where this has been such a big um a genuine threat of us of us losing the race course losing the ability to play on the race course it's just at the moment now it's, it's it's the different side of that is that Okay, the, the club and the ground are now owned but the same people. So that risk is is minimalised because they seem to mean well and they've they, kind of they, they're doing well. So it's yeah, it's one to see whether what the that statement, how the the, the WST reacts to that, whether that that pushes them further away from an agreement, or whether that brings them closer to an agreement with the club. I guess.
2: Back to on-field matters then. The Chesterfield fixture has been rearranged for the last day in February, Tuesday the 28th um, of Feb. Um, Like we said, if Wrexham do beat Sheffield United though in the FA Cup, the FA Cup fifth round is due to be that midweek. So Brian Flynn might have to be on hold again unless it was a home tie anyway. Maybe we could swap it for that. But in terms of what lies ahead then, we will get on to Mason and Gateshead in a moment. That February is looking bumper, isn't it? Eight games, double match weeks. We've mentioned before, and you said at the start of the podcast, in terms of Bickerstaff and Dolby, that you know no matter how well they're playing, they're always going to be behind Palmer and Mullen. But we really do need to make the most of of what we've got. And we keep on talking about how blessed we are with our squad depth, Andrew. And it really feels like we're about to enter a pivotal stage in in discovering just how good that squad depth really is.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it is. It's what eight games in February, uh, six them at home, four of them midweek, uh, and poor Brian Flynn potentially being put off again <laughs> after having to be postponed going to, to my squin uh, twice already because of weather and fixtures. Uh, so yeah, it's it is uh, congestion will be the word. But I mean, I, I mentioned it before about it, it. Obviously, we can bring in new recruits, but who's going to come in just? to know that they're either going to be coming in just to play a few games here and there, or they're just going to be a backup in case somebody gets injured. And especially when you look at the squad we've got already, I mean, the the, the four forwards, the, the two main forwards, Mullen and Palmer, obviously, but then Dolby uh, has kind of put himself down in Rex and folklore. If he never does anything again, he, he scored a goal of his commentary in one of the great away days. So Dolby's there who, in theory, his his past should suggest that he's more than good enough to step in if needed. Jake Bickerstaff, me and you, by the sounds of it, both of the same uh, thought process. that we both got a lot of time for him, and I think there's there's a real player there. But the midfield, because then we only play three in the middle of the park. Newt you, Young, Tom O'Connor, Elliot Lee, James Jones, Captain the other night, Andy Cannon, who we talked about. I believe it's the end of February, maybe beginning of March. We're looking to get Jordan back in if all goes well. And that's just kind of competing for three positions, and the set of halves you've got... Hayden Tozer, Tunicliffe who has been an absolute beast since he's come into the team. Uh, but but Max as well, and Lennon, if he can stay fit. And and you would talk about how impressed you were with Scott Butler. So there's there's options in terms of squad death. There's there's a lot of lot of players there vying for the same positions, even like the, the, the fullbacks, the wingbacks. either side. There's kind of two or three options there. Howard and Layton in that. I mean, some people haven't been too impressed with Howard. and, and Layton didn't have the, the best of games, I thought, against Ultra Games, so good saves in there, but but again, he's obviously getting his way back to fitness. But there's, there's, it reminds me a little bit of, I know it's different levels and different standards, and that squad was better. But comparatively speaking, in terms of dropping down a division or, or two, well, a division, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Dennis Smith's uh, 02, 03 promotion side, where hmm. there, was, there was a bunch of nailed on starters, but there were so many great other options that had come in to fill in that. So, like, you'd have, say, Darren Ferguson and Jim Whitley midfield. And then it's like, it'd be one of uh, Steve Thomas, Paul Barrett, Scott Green, even uh, when he came in it, to fill the other position, all the strikers would be Morell and Trundle and Lee Jones and Hector Sam. God, God love Hector Sam, the enigma that is Hector Sam. <laughs> um, so I, I just, there, it's it reminds me a little bit of that. Like I said, obviously we're at a different level. Um, we're, we're now in, in the non-league, whereas, um, whereas then it was, well, League Two as it is now. So, it just reminds me a little bit of that. Well, we've got just a really great spine and then we've got a lot of really good options that we can just rotate in and out. So I, I think we're all right squad-wise. I, I know some people will disagree and they want to see big name signings, but it's that uh, the realism of, of who, who would come in just to play backup, and And if we're bringing in somebody really good, who drops out?
2: Yeah, and of course, we all know how that season finished as well. So fingers crossed, there oh, yeah. are lots of similarities with, with that squad. I, I suppose, and that's my sort of question to you is, I'm an eternal pessimist as a record fan because most of my sort of adult (laughs) life watching them has been non-league and false hope maybe and failed sort of promotion bids and just not quite ever reaching our potential. So I think maybe from some of the younger generation, more so, but I can't really speak for everyone. There is this pessimism that what if someone does get injured? Do we want to be reactionary in the transfer market or do we want to you know, be proactive and already have someone in place to come in. I mean, we aren't bound to the January transfer window. It's, I believe, to the end of March or so that we can buy players this season after, you know, the uh, international clearance sort of issues were were resolved. Are there any areas, maybe not weakness in a squad, but any areas you think you'd like to see us improve and and any sort of player that you'd add to the team? or, Or are you quite happy that we've got enough already?
0: I am happy we've got enough already, um, and I think the, the the one position I thought maybe a push was possibly another centre half, um, just because I'm I'm still getting nightmares of Aaron Hayden getting injured towards the end last season. But we've got Tonnercliff in now, who, like I said, I've been so impressed with him. And that that was the question was when he when he came in and started playing games after like two or three games, it's like this guy's really good. Why is he not been playing? But it, so I. Maybe possibly a centre-half, but then, again, Butler impressed. And I think if, if it's only a case of somebody to come in now and then, then he he could be a shout. Obviously, I think Max is ahead of him in the, the pecking order. But I don't know. The way I look at it is, say we didn't sign uh, another striker, for example, and then I, I feel bad even saying this, then Super Paul Mullen gets injured in the beginning of April, the end of March. Uh, I've had that anxiety dream as well. Don't you worry. <laughs> But okay, we've got nobody to bring in. But who would do? like if we brought somebody in now while well, we can, who's the level to replace Mullen? Where, where are they going to fit the team until Mullen gets injured? It's and obviously Mullen and Palmer are very different players, so they wouldn't really go in alongside you. So it's, it's, always, it's, it's always one of those situations where you can only look back in hindsight and say, We made the right decision, or we didn't make the right decision, I think.
2: On the topic of new signings, then, I mean, it wouldn't be a and transfer window without being linked with Andy Cook. Of course, we've been linked with him numerous times over the past few years. He's now at Bradford City, flying high under Mark Hughes in League 2. He's 32 years old, still scoring a good amount of goals, but the reports that Wrexham are interested or close to a deal for Andy Cook, uh, we understand are way off the mark at this moment in time. As soon as I saw the rumours of a, a, a proposed £70,000 offer that I think stemmed from a Bradford City fans forum, I did some digging, I reached out to his agency and I got a pretty swift response, which was two words. No, not those two words. Um, no chance um, was basically the, the response I had from from those involved with Andy Cook's agency and, and, and that know it better so, yeah, I'd just say that just always take these reports with a, with a pinch of salt. And of course, I, I do agree and understand why signing a new striker might be something we need to do this month. But I do think that the club will probably be reactionary rather than proactive in terms of getting a new striker in. It's going to be interesting to see how the Palmer Mullen access is, is handled over the next few weeks, just because they can't be playing 90 minutes twice a week for, what was it, five weeks in a row. I think Dolby and Bickerstaff are going to have much bigger roles to play, but I think those two are the answer, really. And hopefully we don't have to dip into the market to to sign a new striker And anyway. So, Wrexham back in action this weekend when they travel to face Maidstone in the league and then a game against Gateshead next Tuesday night as well. So, they will have played twice by the next time We record the Rob Ryan Red podcast at the time of recording Maidstone, 23rd in the table. Gateshead 21st, but oddly one of the best teams I've seen at the race course this season when they played there with 10 men. Uh, I mean, Andrew, as a pessimistic Wrexham fan, as regular listeners will know, I'll always try and make a case for us not to win. But (laughs) surely it's six points on the road, even if it's going to be quite testing conditions, it sounds like in the coming days ahead.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of those where we could make these tough games, they could be tough games but I, I guess the we're kind of past all that kind of like, oh right, okay, it's Rex and being Rex and we shot ourselves in the foot. At where we are at the moment, If the, these are the sort of games realistically you need to be winning if you see yourself as champions and that's what we're hoping to see ourselves as. That's what Parky sees us as. That's what a lot of the players see us as. They see us as that, That especially with that really annoying only one automatic promotion spot. Uh, that's what we're aiming for. And I think if we're aiming for that, these are games that you've you've got to win, especially, like you said, that the league position, 23rd and 21st. Um, Maidstone, we we beat 5-0 uh, earlier in the season. In fact, Mickey Thomas predicted that 5-0 win. He was the guest at my win that day uh, before the match. And his... The last question I always ask to the guests is, "What's the score going to be?" And Mickey Thomas went on this in the best possible way. Ra rah speech is in. Who are we playing? Maidstone, Maid Made Ned. Well, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We're effing Rex. Sounds like the older should... owner. Oh, it was it was brilliant. It was um, yeah. It's like these teams coming here. They should be fearing us. We should be turning these teams over. I'm going to say we're going to smash in five 0 and that's how it's got to be for the rest of the season. And it's big stand ovation. And then we went across the road and won five 0 with a Paul Mullin hat trick. Uh, I think George got one. And Maybe an no own goal, if I remember rightly, but yeah. So, I mean, it is every—it's the old cliche. Every every game's a tough game, and they are if you don't approach them rightly. But when you're in a position we are and looking to do what we're looking to do, there's no excuses for not winning these sort of games, unless there's major <laughs> extenuating circumstances. Like I don't know two players get sent off in the first twenty minutes or something for us, which, touch wood, hopefully, does not happen.
2: Well, ahead of the game against Gateshead on Tuesday night, I caught up with David from the Heed Army podcast to get the lowdown on our opponents ahead of that second league game. So, David, I mean, Wrexham against Gateshead earlier in the season, 3-1 win, but Gateshead, one of the best teams we've sort of seen come at us at the race course this season, but still sort of languishing near the bottom end of the table what has sort of been the story of your season so far is it one where the table is a fair reflection of how well you've played or do you think it's quite harsh on on you given the level performance
1: um a oh, it, 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 it's a tough one because we, we've just had so many injuries and you know I don't like to rely on excuses but I think where we are is probably a fair reflection but we are turning the corner somewhat we, you know we've, we've had some good wins in the last Six weeks, we've been there. Southend, we've been York, uh, Oldham in the FA Trophy, and uh, we've made a, a few new additions to the team as well. So it just feels like we're starting to turn the corner now.
2: It mentioned you know the recent results. Then, of course, your most recent was against Oldham at the weekend, three-one in in the Trophy. What Gateshead's approach to the Trophy been this season? Because we saw Wrexham field a weakened team against Ulverston uh, last weekend, but Gateshead must have a real sort of Belief that they can go far in the competition.
1: Um, I, I think uh, th- uh, when you get to the fifth round, I think you start to believe anything can happen. Especially when you mention yourselves, Wrexham have went out, Notts County have went out, Chesterfield are the out. There's a lot of the big boys on there, and some of the teams, like Gates, said, well, we all start to look around there, go, well, we can we can beat anyone that's left in the competition on our day, so. You know, hopefully, you know, as long as we can get past Banbury or Col- uh, Colville, then you know, you're into the quarterfinals, and anything can happen from there.
2: You mentioned that on your day you can beat any side. Wrexham this weekend, then what is the mood like? Is it seen very much as a free hit from your fan base?
1: Um, I don't know. If there's, a, there's a there's a renewed optimism. Um, we signed Danny Elliott from Boreham Wood. He was actually. Um, our summer transfer target, but he's signed for Boranwood instead. Things haven't worked out for him there, and he's on loan for, uh, with us now until the end of the season. And he has absolutely rejuvenated our forward line, um, goes up the ball well. He's, he's, he's just a natural born finisher. And to add to that, um, a few months ago, we got a young midfielder on loan from Middlesbrough as well, called Camille Conter. Who isn't afraid to take the shot from outside the box, he scored, which I think it's four, three or four goals from out, from about at least 30 yards. So, you know, we've got a bit more, uh pep in our step as it were going forward. But on the injury front, as I mentioned earlier on, we had, um, 10 players out at one time and we're, we are only a small squad. And so to have that many players out, that shows why we are where we are. But I think, Going into this game, there's renewed optimism, and I think we'll be, you know, I'm not going to say you know we're going to win this game, but you know if we, if we can play our game, we may be able we'll to get something
2: out of it. You mentioned there uh, the new signing. Who are your who are your danger men this weekend? Who should oh next Tuesday? Sorry, who should Wrexham fans be worried about when they see them on the ball?
1: Uh, well, there's uh, Adam Campbell, of course. Um, he's been with the club a, a few years, and uh, he's. Just uh, his work rate up front is phenomenal. He'll drop deep. He's not the tallest player on the pitch, but he, he'll make things happen and keep the ball moving. There's the captain, uh, Greg Olly, who uh, is just a linchpin in midfield. He can pick out a, a great pass and set a uh, good um, set piece as well. Um, obviously, Danny Elliott is up there scoring goals. And we've got a player that hasn't scored a goal yet, but has looked very impressive when he's been match fit and that. Aaron Martin. So, you are know, starting to look good there and I'd be amiss if I didn't mention Dan Ward as well. Uh he is a an attacking midfielder who just like Adam Campbell has an engine on him and just he doesn't let like defenders rest. So it's starting to pay dividends for us at the moment, having those players fit and uh, everyone raring to go
2: mentioned the earlier meeting between the two clubs this season at the race course. Like I said, I think Gateshead played really well that evening. Of course, you were jeopardised by a red card. Yep, You're down to 10 men. I think Wrexham actually got booed off at half-time for only being sort of two on up and Mullen scored late on to, to make it more comfortable. But in terms of Gateshead, Gateshead's sort of approach on the pitch, is it still very much possession-based? I mean, we've always sort of associated... Yeah. Gateshead would be in a, a pretty side to watch.
1: The, the manager, Mike Williamson, he, he believes in uh, that, that brand and style of football. We will build from the back. We meet, We might pass um, the ball sideways a lot at the back as we try and open up the midfield in front of us and the, the defence after that. Um, it is possession based, but it can quickly turn into um, entertainment as uh, so the ball gets uh, pinned forward. But, uh, yeah, Mike Williamson's a strong believer in the brand of football that he plays. And um, I would say we've had great success with it. And I think, as you mentioned earlier on in the season, we started the season not too bad. We got uh, three draws in the first few games. And obviously we played ourselves and uh, uh, came up short. But, you know, once we've had um, a fully fit squad, which has took months to get, um, we we're starting to see the the fruits of the the labour that's put in by the team on the training pitch with the possession based
2: football. I don't like to talk about uh, nots county too much, but obviously they are being spearheaded by a former Gateshead striker at the moment. Yeah, what, what's too. the what, yeah? <laughs> what's the feeling like from Gateshead fans then? Is there a little bit of is there pride that you know two former players are doing so well at the top end of the table, or is there a little bit of resentment thinking if only we just held on to them for one more season?
1: Um, I think you don't always like to, when you've got players like that. I mean, the season before when we won the league, they were just absolutely phenomenal, as were a lot of the players that we still got at the club. But I think in this, you know, we've got to realise where we are in the football and world. As Gator said, we're not a big club. We don't have a big money man like we might have had in the past. And for us to sell on players, um, you know, for whatever, what we got for them, it was undisclosed. But I believe there is a sell-on for one of the players and there isn't for the other one. Um, that's what this, our football club's got to do. We've got to bring them in. Um, you know, hopefully they do well at the club and we make a profit on them. And it's, it's that kind of mentality I think we've got to have. Uh, so if we bring in a player next year, a young raw talent and they give us two good seasons and go on to the football league, then I think that's the football club doing its job and hopefully surviving by doing that because we don't have the, as I say, the money man. We we don't have the, the biggest crowds. Although they are doing quite well this year, they could always be better.
2: I was going to ask you that. I mean, it's quite a, a vague question, but East football at the moment is obviously in the headlines. Not just Newcastle, Sunderland doing well in the Championship as well. Mm-hmm. What's it? What sort of impact does that have on on Gateshead as a club? You know, particularly maybe when Newcastle are doing well, is that good for Gateshead or do do crowds sort of fluctuate depending on? On their own success,
1: um, it, it it is a, it's a it's a strange ecosystem in the northeast because there's quite a few uh, northeast non-league clubs doing well as well at the moment. So, like for ourselves, you know we've been averaging over a thousand and getting, you know, especially with away followings, we're getting up close towards two thousand. Um, but if Newcastle United are doing well, if Newcastle United are at home on the same day, which can often happen. You can see the crowd dip by 300, maybe, um, you know, on a bad day. Um, but that said, the following at Gateshead has definitely grown in the hardcore. Um, it used to be down in the, the lower hundreds. Now, we're obviously, towards the thousand, I would say, of a hardcore fan base. But like any football club, you could always deal with more. But the, the thing is, in the North East, it's a strange thing because... There's been a lot of success for non-league clubs in the North East, especially in the FAA bars as well, so there is a lot of floating, I'm not going to say glory hunters because there's a lot of Newcastle and some fans that like to share their support, should I say, for local non-league clubs so say if Dunstan were going to Wembley, they might take 6,000 whereas their average home gate would be 500, so it it can get like that, and, and it goes right around the northeast. But also, as well, we've got noisy neighbours at the moment in um, South Shields. You've got Kevin Phillips, former Sunderland and England straight as the manager there. And they have got I mean, their budget is apparently three times bigger than ours, and they're uh, three divisions below. So that tells you everything <laughs> on that front. But they're in the similar kind of ecosystem to us, where they're on Sunderland's back door. But some of them are doing well and they're still getting crowds of over 2,000 in the Northern Premier League. So it, it, it is a strange thing up here, but you hope that you can, I say, stem the flow of New class United's success because they're always going to be the team in the media. They're always going to be the team talked about. Kids has just got to plug away and make our own identity in that shadow.
2: No offence to them, but I'm dreading the thought of Wrexham ever being in non-league and having to play against South Shield, so I really hope this is the season that we are, we get promoted. I guess finally then, the question for you, which is a question we all hate to answer, considering there is a full match week this weekend as well. What is your, maybe not prediction, but your feeling ahead of Wrexham Gateshead next Tuesday then? Do you think that you that you have a real chance of getting a point, or do you think that it is going to be most likely a Wrexham win?
1: You see, Playing Wrexham now, let, let's let's face it, it's a cup game, isn't it? Because of the media attention that's on Wrexham and the worldwide audience, so you want to go out and give a good account of yourselves, firstly, and um, show that you you know you're not just there to take part. And um, but I I think with the way we are, if we, if we get through the weekend's fixtures against talking without any injuries and come through that unscathed, I would like to think that we definitely go into the game with the fighters' chance. I think. Um, the way we're playing at the minute, the renewed uh, optimism. You know, if we win at the weekend, we could climb out of the relegation zone, albeit by just a, a point or two. But you know, once you get that momentum, um, anything's possible. But hopefully, um, you see it, it's going to be streamed on the National League Streaming Service as well. So it's a good opportunity for okay, Gateshead to, to get a good uh, showcase of themselves. You uh, I'm looking forward to doing the commentary on the game as well. So it uh, should be very good.
2: I mean, Wrexham, if we look at this, not just in terms of the league table then, if we look at the form guide in the National League, Mm -hmm. Wrexham, over the last 10 games, Wrexham are leading the way with 26 points from a possible 30. Maidstone, again, sort of penultimate place in the table. Seven points they've got from a possible last 30. Gateshead, maybe a bit of a better position than the table reflects they're 15th in the form table they've taken 10 points on their last 30 so you know they are getting better results than it it would indicate and suggest but like you said we've got to be winning both those games we've got serious title ambitions the only thing you'd sort of prosper against that is that of course there's this sort of belief we've not been as good away from home but how are you going to sort of match perfection you know we have a flawless home record of winning every single game whereas away from home we've got 23 points at home we've taken 36 so the away form seems to have picked up as well since Tom O'Connor's come to the team and yeah. while you can make these arguments that it's Rex and we might drop points surely 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 that isn't this weekend against Maidstone but as we mentioned earlier in the podcast Maidstone did win in the FA Trophy they beat Notts County on penalties. So maybe they're not as much of a pushover as we're making them out to be. But surely. I mean, I I, I just love being devil's advocate.
0: We've got to get six points, haven't we? Do you think we will? See, uh, Rich, you, you've, uh, to quote the great Han Solo, never told me the odds. Now you've ran through all those, uh, those stats. It's like, oh, we're going to get beat. <laughs> we're going to get beat by both of them. Uh, uh, yeah, you'd like to think so. I mean, we've we 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 lost the, we've lost the way against Maidstone before, uh, back in 2017, got beat 2-1. Uh, oh, jeez, a, a Gateshead turned us over, one of the worst games, probably could well be the worst game we've ever seen at the race course, where we got beat, was it 7-2? 7-1, maybe 7-2, yeah. Yeah,
1: I think it was yeah, 2012,
0: Yeah, the protests around the pitch well weren't there that day. Oh, it was a dire. Um, but again, it's a team we beat already this season, albeit at home, uh, winning 3-1, so it's it, This is a, these this was a really important couple of games. Not only just like because of us uh, and and keeping our momentum going, but at the same time, Notts County they're they're away as well twice at Chesterfield and at Solihull Moors, and Solihull Moors are no pushovers. Um, so especially at home, so it's it's a it's a it's a big couple of uh, days for for both us and Notts County, especially. I mean, if. If not, can drop some points? We can we can win our games. Um, and then you take into account the games in hand. This is like, I think this is a massive week for the season.
2: You've won me back over there. I'm, I'm proper <laughs> uh, optimistic now for this. Uh, yeah, it is it is so difficult to court too much. But again, as I said, though, Gates at home uh, this season. I thought they were brilliant, even though they had 10 men for the game. There was booze at yeah. half time when we weren't winning by more, I believe. And, you know, they did give us a, a proper game, but we, no offence, but there have to be sort of, standards that, that are kept at this club and we cannot be getting complacent, you know, depending on, on who we're playing. And of course, the other sort of overriding factor is that if we win these two games, the springboard going into that Sheffield United game is even greater, you know, if we can win another two. Fortress Kairas, when we return to it, will be will be bouncing for that FA Cup game, won't it?
0: I'd not even thought about that, to be honest, mate. But yeah, that's that's a really good point to make. That's a, a really good shout that, yeah. Yeah, and especially, like I said, if maybe Notts County drop. Drop some points here or there in those games by the time you get back to the race course, then yeah, against it. Uh, I mean, geez, it's gonna be a very, I mean, just, uh, uh Coventry was a was gonna be a very tough game, and it was especially at times in the second half. Uh, but Sheffield United second in the championship, it's that's it's gonna be a, a really tough game, depending on obviously what team they put out. They're gonna want to be going for it in the FA Cup, so we. The the point I'm getting at is, so yeah we, we're going to need all the momentum we can get and if we can go into that game on the bounce of of a couple of, of big uh, away wins and like I said maybe hopefully close that gap a little bit as well not this much of a gap especially with the games in hand but if we can uh, close that gap on, on on Notts county then I mean yeah Sheffield United day could be um could be a very special one going into that just just the the the, the buzz before it the the pre match man the um the, the good you going to bring
2: the mic squid back into this again. I wasn't. I wasn't even mentioning that. I was just thinking about the
0: general town. But I mean, if you do have... you said one, pre-match, you got all wishy-washy. I, oh, I meant pre-match is in just things before the game. <laughs> I mean, the turf will be amazing. Town will be amazing. Spoons will be amazing. The fat ball will be amazing. Uh, everywhere, the, the mice uh, yeah, will be best. best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but, but I mean, obviously, we got we got Beno in, we've got a uh, Carl and and there was another Scouse former striker, of ours that I was. Speaking to a couple of days ago, who might swing by as well, but we'll see. Um, that's that could be a really big letdown if he doesn't, because <laughs> it was just the. <laughs> but no, uh, just the, the point being that, that. time, yeah. Yeah, the, the point being, it's going to be just pre match across the whole town. is going to be crazy on that one, especially if we, like I said, we pick up a oh, say six points on the road. Um, yeah, it's it's good to see, man. It's re- I, I I love it as, as somebody that grew up um, watching Wrexham and, and experiencing big FA Cup runs. In the nineties, this um yeah, this is this is it's really nice. Uh, big smile on my face right now. It's it's yeah, it's, it's nice times. It's
2: great, isn't it? It's so good. Yeah, mm. no matter what happens, mm. let's end this on a positive note. Wrexham are back. We're in the FA Cup next week, but before that, it is league business. Like we said, Maidstone away this weekend and Gateshead away next Tuesday night, and we will be back next week on Rob, Brian, Red to dissect whatever happens across these two games, and then of course look ahead to that massive. FA Cup fourth round home tie against Championship high flyers Sheffield United. Thank you very much to my guest Andrew Pollard for joining us today.
0: Oh no worries at all, Rich. Uh, anytime you need me, mate. Thanks for asking me on. It's uh, it's been fun. I've enjoyed this a lot. Nathan, who didn't miss him, did
2: we? No offense, Nathan. You'll be editing this in wow. New York. Hope you're doing well, mate. Um, yeah. Thank you very much to all of you. As always, you can get involved on in all the socials. Rob Brown, red across all the platforms robryanred at gmail.com again a massive thank you to our sponsors red 10 people development for making this happen and a shout out to rex and bass band hypnotic for providing the music take care enjoy your weekend and we'll see you again next time it's the 90th minute all your mates are around.